Welcome to another technically orientated episode of the Professional Plumber Podcast with myself, Willem Klopper, your host, and my co-host, Mr. Richard Bailey. Richard, a warm welcome to you as well. Thank you very much, Willem. Uh, I remember when we started doing these together, I was a guest. Now I'm promoted <laughs> to a co-host, so that's yeah. always a good thing. So thanks very much. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you, you're my co-host. You're my, you're my, you're my partner in uh, good business. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Listen, Richard. Today we're talking about um, the, the the two different terms uh, and 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 ways of interpreting it and what they mean and whether there is a difference between the two. The one is minimum requirements, and the other one is best practice. And I'm sure that, um, you know, it can, there's a thin line between the two. And I'm sure that specifically when it comes to compliance of things, that it's important to know what is that fine line. Um, and I'm sure that there's a lot that we can say about it. Yeah, look, uh, it is quite a, it, it's, uh, when, I, when, I, when I got this uh, subject to, to, to chat about, it was, um, I was wondering, you know, what is there to actually say about these two? But I think, I think it's, it, it warrants, let's define the two terms. So, so minimum requirements is, we remember, Willem, that we're talking about plumbing. So this is within the plumbing trade, within the trade of plumbing. So minimum requirements are the minimum requirements that, that we need to adhere to uh, uh, are, are written and they are housed in the standards, the actual SANS standards. Many people think, they look at the standards and they say, gee whiz, you know, this is a, this is shooting for the moon sort of stuff. And uh, you put a bracket every 300 mil that I've never put, you know, that's too much. And what many people don't recognize is that the installation standards are actually the bare minimum requirement. You can by all means overshoot those and do better than what the standards require. But the standards are the minimum. They and and I just want to take a moment to try and build this concept. If so, so the standards are there. It's a line. It's almost if you can look at it, it's ground level. You can jump from ground. You can jump and do your skip and do all those things. But you can never sink under the ground. So when once when when you see the the standards in place. You say, does it comply to these minimum installation standards? Yes. Oh, there's an extra here. There's a little bit, bit better there. That's fantastic. So that's where best practice starts to creep in. And, and some call it best practice. Some just require it. You know, we'll get into that in a minute. But the the reason that the standards exist are to is to not allow an installation to drop below that ground level. So that is just something that we need to understand. We can't work to the standards kind of there and thereabouts, almost getting, no, that is ground level, ground zero. You cannot drop below that. The um, Sometimes best practices are things that, it's a, it's a generic term we all use, you know, but it's, it's things that are over and above requirements or, 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 well, let's just use the word requirements that are, doing a little bit more than the minimum standards require. I mean, this these sorts of patterns or, or practices could come from uh, one's own experience in the in the in your trade and you could have learned it from your journeyman or, or from a from another experienced plumber. 
and <clears throat> you know a technique to to improve or to streamline a process that doesn't encroach on the standards, it deviates from them. In other words, you don't do it exactly like that. You do it a different way, but it, it doesn't undermine the standards at all. You still maintain the minimum standard, but you're getting there in a more efficient way. Or for example, some manufacturers might uh, require you as an installer to take additional steps to, to ensure that the, their products are installed to, to their requirements, which, which could be more than the minimum standard requires. But best practice for me, it's a very broad term, and that's why I had some trouble kind of boxing it and putting it into a, into a podcast because it's it can be we can talk about best practice in almost anything, and it's a, it's a it's a it's a it's a term that can be used in a in a positive or or even a slightly negative sense, if you know what I'm saying. But in this context, I think we just need to differentiate between what the minimum requirements of the standards are and what we deem we as individuals or as a collective deem as best practice for, for particular processes. Richard, I always say, just getting back to quickly what you said, what the, why the standards exist. Um, I think I always say, say this, standards exist to uh, ensure optimal functionality of an installation, as in, in, and that includes optimal quality of the, of the installation, as well as optimal safety for the for both the installer and the you know the consumer the end user. Um, so, to me, when I look at the requirements of standards, you can basically see it as a guideline to what the minimum things are of doing uh, doing an installation or something like that, so that it achieves those things of you know optimal functionality optimal quality, optimal safety for the, for the consumer. If you go below that, you know, it's, it's, we've had discussions in the past on previous uh, episodes where we said, who puts together these standards? It's, it's, it's a whole uh, um, committee of people that comes together from all spectrums of the industry, whether they're manufacturers or whatever, to say, what are those things that will make this optimally functional, uh, best quality, and be most safe, the, the safest way of doing that. Um, is that correct? Because it's not just pit pompis that sits in thumb sucks of what these minimum requirements are. It's there for a specific reason. Yeah, it, it, that, that, you, you, you're right, Willem. Um, although uh, you, you touched on something there which, which, which ties in exactly with what we're talking about. So you used words like optimal and, and best. So I would take those words out and just put adequate. So the standards are there to, to ensure that we use the materials and practices that would achieve the minimum requirement. And that minimum requirement is set out the performance requirements. For example, if you've got a drainage system, you've got to contain the water and the air in the, inside that system. You can't let it flow out. You've got to allow for access into that system. You have to allow for ventilation. You have to... Um, take um, care of flow rates and um, discharge rates for particular things. Now, given that, given that these are the set of requirements we need to achieve this, how do we go about it? And what is the minimum required pipework configuration, setup, sizes, gradients 
that are required to achieve this minimum. Right, there they are. Now I come along and I say, okay, here's a great drainage installation design, but I wanna give my tenants in my building the added benefit of noise protection so that they can't hear their upstairs neighbor flushing the toilet. So I'm going to change the specification of these pipes, upgrade them and sound insulate them. Uh-huh. Now, now I'm overstepping, I'm over, overarching what the standards require. I've already achieved the, uh, the minimum requirements, but I'm going above and beyond for my own specific reasons. And that's what we would call them, that's now best practice. And that's that's bettering the standards and understanding that the standards cannot be undermined, but we can go above them. Um, <clears throat> another example would be, for, for example, using, uh, so you, you, if, if I were to be running a, a copper uh, water supply to, to a point and it's above ground, it's in the ceiling, it's properly uh, uh, settled, et cetera. I'm using particular types of, of, of joints. Everything else is fine. I'm allowed to use class naught, let's say, copper, because it is st- uh, tested and, and, and approved for use in this particular installation. I'm using capillary fittings. I'm wiping my flux down. As I drop down to my walls, I change to class one because I don't want class naught in my thing. That's fine. But I say to my to my client, you know what? We've got an option class two here throughout. It's a thicker wall. It's much more expensive and it's a much more hardy. And he says, go ahead. So now you plumb the place in class two completely. It costs you twice as much in materials, but that is that is best practice. So you could always go to a client and say, listen, this is minimum but i recommend let's go class two and for these reasons and 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 that's then you know if you have had a very very positive experience in your past uh career as to the performance longevity etc of class two which i have we would always recommend class two and then it's up to them to, to do and that would be then best practice that's an example of best practice but you did also say that they can slightly be a negative aspect to best practice because best practice means that in your personal experience, in your personal uh, way, there might be a, a way of doing something, but that may not ne- necessarily mean that you are meeting the minimum requirements. Um, Richard, just before, just uh, we, we, we're going to go into an ad break, but just before we go into that ad break, just a quick comment on that, please. Uh, you, you're right. A lot of a lot of uh, people have been trained as, as as plumbers incorrectly. So you the 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 system that we've got unfortunately is is very much uh, I train I learn from you and you learn from me and so on. It's not it's 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 a it, it's increasingly informal. It's coming back to formal, but it's increasingly informal. So what the practices you pick up from your teacher, you will then put into practice. And they'll carry through. And there, I can name many examples of that. For example, when you're putting a, a cistern together, a cistern in it with, with the flush valve, the, the filler valve, et cetera, et cetera, and you, from brand new, huh, and you use uh, half a kilogram of putty, or if you use silicon to put all this together around all the washers and silicon it and everything, that's, the guy thinks he's doing good, but it's not. That's That's bad practice which could be construed as best practice. So if you say to somebody, I don't put silicon on because it's not it's not designed for that. No, no, I always do. That's best practice for me. So that is that can also, it can be 
connected to an, a notion of his idea of best practice, but it, which is in fact not good practice at all. Listen, Richard, we are going to go into a quick ad break. For our listeners and our viewers, please do stay tuned. Please have a look at these advertisements because they are for your information and to your benefit. Uh, we will see you right after the ad breaks. Good day. How can I help you? Hi. I'm here to log in my COCs, but I seem to be having an issue with my computer. No problem. But did you know that you can log your COCs using an app on your cell phone? Oh, what app is that? It's called The App Plumber. Do you have a smartphone with you? Yes, I do. Oh, well, let me show you how it works. Not only can you access your PRRB profile on The App Plumber, but you can also earn CPD points while exploring the plumbing industry in the palm of your hand. Download the app from Google Play Store and join thousands of other happy users. Welcome back to this technically orientated episode of uh, the Professional Plumber Podcast with myself, Willem Klopper, and Richard Bailey. And in this episode, we are discussing uh, best practice versus minimum requirements. Uh, is there a difference between the two? How can it be interpreted? And those kind of things. Just before we went into the ad break, Richard and I were talking about the fact that, um, you know, there are minimum requirements set in the standards and regulations and those kind of things. And then there are best practices. One form of best practice can be that you can overshoot and, and even go higher than what the minimum requirements are. But then there's also that slight misinterpretation of, of best practice where a person in his personal capacity can think that what he is doing is the best way of doing something but that it might not meet the minimum requirements. Richard, I want to ask you quickly if you can give a couple more examples of things like what the standard would typically say and what a person would think best practice would be and then the two of them either overshooting on best practice or not then complying with minimum requirements. Yeah, there's a couple of um, uh, examples I noted here, Willem. For example, if the standards, the installation standards, such as SANS 10254 for geyser installations, they do allow, and, and 10252, they do allow for us plumbers to mount uh, 200 liter geysers against the vertical surface, a wall. As long as that geyser is a wall mounted geyser and it says so on its little sticker, then you're allowed to. Uh, no bigger than that. There are some manufacturers, for example, that even though their geyser is wall mountable and it's approved when you can mount it, they require an additional two very heavy duty brackets to be placed underneath that geyser uh, for their own, for, that's their requirement. And that then would become a best practice for that brand or for any other brand. So you're not overstepping the, the minimum requirements, you're in fact overshooting them. And that's best practice. So that's an example. And, and that's adhering to to a manufacturer's requirement. Then a lot of guys will uh, often look or think of certain things, practices as being best practices when in fact they just requirements. Um, so I think, you know, if, you know um, you, it all, every, all of these tech, technical podcasts circle back to a common theme, in, and that is knowledge, uh, knowledge of the standards and knowledge of the requirements. And if you've got that knowledge, then you know what you're talking about. So, for example, and it's a silly example, but pipe deburring. When you've cut a copper pipe 
or you've uh, cut a galvanized pipe, a piece of pipe, or you've cut a piece of PVC pipe, or you've cut a multi-layer pipe. You shouldn't be cutting that with a hacksaw, but some do. You should be cutting it with a proper cutter. But anyway, and you don't deburr the inside of that pipe, or in the case of metallic pipe, ream it. You've got to ream that, that diameter back out again. You kind of have it closed. Plumbers will know what I'm talking about. How often have we overlooked that? But it is a requirement. So if you look at somebody putting in a, a fire installation in, in black iron pipe and he burrs and reams every single piece of pipe, you'd say, geez, that's good practice. You know, that's best practice. It's requirement. It's a minimum requirement. You can't have a bunch of um, um, restrictions, uh, 300 restrictions on a, on a flow of water. So that's just an example of that. Another one I, I put here, and again, it's a silly example. But when you're setting a pan, the old traditional way that we use, that I grew up with, is 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 a your your pan is upside down with an empty pedestal at the bottom, and a lot of times you just find guys putting a pile of cement on the ground and just putting this on. But I would say best practice is to first slurry prime both surfaces, fill it up properly, and then turn the whole pot with a full uh, uh, foot of cement down. That's just an example I, I've made. Wiping away excess glue, excess flux, uh, excess dirt and grime from 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 uh, um, lubricant from pipework, etc. In other words, leaving your pipework looking clean, whether or not it's uh, visible, it doesn't really matter. And and in the uh, roof space, having your pipe reticulation runs next to each other, parallel, straight, making thought out changes of direction. You know, like a pair of train tracks running down, uh, you know, the, the side of the roof out of the way. That, that's best practice. If you were to have it in the middle and they are far apart and they this and that, it's not necessarily non-compliant because you might have could put the correct brackets in, but it's untidy and it's not nice. So best practice would be to bring them nice, make them look good, parallel, have them together so that maintenance and that becomes easier. The last example, um, in fact, the second last, I'll mention something after this as well, is, and, and I'm sure many of us have come across this when we've had to install sewage pipes below, just at or below uh, water um, table level. Uh, I did a big project where we did about four and a half kilometers of big sewer um, uh, well below water table. When I say well below, it was probably about a meter and a half below the water table in clay. It was a nightmare, and we used uh, dozens and, and uh, hundreds of cubic meters of stone. So, if you just an example, if you're bedding a sewage pipe there or thereabouts in a water table, bedding it in stone rather than sand, so that the stone doesn't get washed away, so that the pipe can be more easily installed and maintained there as well. And then, um. The I, I made another note here. I, I did mention, I did mention um, uh, the the putting together of cisterns and that using putty. Now putty is is one of those things where that I grew up with it. I, I it was it was part and parcel of the toolbox. You always needed it for maintenance purposes. But very often new installations, when you're installing new fittings and new taps and so on and washers, it doesn't require any of that. And 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 some of us older guys, we hung over from that putty and we bring it into the new stuff. Where the new stuff is a lot of the times better designed, and you see brand new 
installations of, uh, of, of platform fittings and Konex fittings and that with putty in it. And that, that is not, so that's a, that to me in my mind is a negative uh, sort of a best practice hangover uh, that one could say as well, yeah. Richard, there's one last question that I've got for you. And I think this is certainly the most important question um, of this specific episode. But before I go there, uh, to our listeners and our viewers, we're going to cross over to another quick ad break. Uh, as usual, please do stay tuned and please have a look at these ad breaks. Please listen to them because they are for your information and for your benefits. Richard and I will be right back after the ad break. We actually don't want to talk about it. Are you worried that CPD is getting in the way of your work? I really just don't get it. I don't even know where to start. Are you intimidated by the latest technologies, new materials, or even perhaps new methods of doing things? Is self-improvement important to you? Do you feel as if you lack behind? with where the industry is moving forward. Fear not, for we have some exciting news just for you. The PRB's launch of the CPD Rewards Program means that CPD no longer has to feel like a heavy burden to you. The CPD Rewards Program acknowledges the hard work that you've put in while you strive to improve yourself while remaining up to date with the ins and outs of the plumbing industry in South Africa. Through the CPD Rewards Program, you will be rewarded for your efforts in continuously developing yourself with discounts and of course, various prizes. It cannot become more enticing than that. Here's how it works. Depending on the level of tier you are on, whether that be blue, bronze, silver, gold, or even diamond, you will be rewarded with things like discounts on COCs or even Proud Plummet t-shirts or your annual renewal fee. And of course, various prizes. Welcome back to this lacquer-technically orientated episode of the Professional Plumber Podcast with myself, Willem Klopper, and Richard Bailey. 
And we're discussing in this episode, we're discussing the difference between minimum requirements and best practice. And just before we went into this ad break, uh, Richard and I were discussing a couple of examples, or Richard was giving us a couple of examples of typically what the standards will tell, what the minimum requirements are, and then what plumbers or installers may uh, or technicians may apply as best practice to either exceed those minimum requirements and overshoot that, and then sometimes in some instances where they make the mistake of thinking that something is best practice, but then it doesn't actually meet the minimum requirements. Richard, having said all of all of what we've said uh, prior to, to the advertisement, and having given the examples, having set the difference between best practice and minimum requirements, how is, it, how is the plumber, the average plumber, how are they supposed to interpret the difference between best practice and, and uh, the minimum requirements and everything that we've said, and how do they actually go about applying that to their day-to-day business and operations? Willem, I think you know it. Uh, it's a difficult. It's a difficult uh, question uh, because it's not something that I don't. I, look, best best practice is a fluid thing, and um, I think it would be remiss of me of a single person to 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 sit here and say to whoever is listening to this this is how you go about best practice we each have our own tricks of the trade and best practices that we put into place i think the most important thing we just need to remember is that we need to differentiate between the two so the a a a habit or practice or process that you've picked up over the years, whether it's through your own experience or taught by somebody to you uh, to overcome a certain obstacle, could be construed as unique and belonging to you and your trick of that particular obstacle and it's your best practice. Just remember that there are a set of minimum non-negotiable standards, installation standards that have to be met. And, 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 very often we look at these standards as literal instructions. So you will put a bracket there, and you then you need then you start to question why why must I put a bracket there? It doesn't make sense. But Richard, if, but if you look at, I, I, I want to interrupt there quickly because from my experience, when it comes to standards, they always use the word shell. This. This material shall, this product shall, this installation shall, the technician shall. So it's not a question of do I want to or not. It, it, it's not a question of, it's not a considerable option. It's a question of you shall. You, it's something that, it's, that's the way it's going to happen. Otherwise, it's not, com- not compliant. But it, it rubs people up the wrong way because, but, because you, you question, well, why do I need that bracket there? It doesn't make sense to me. But, but when we should be looking at the standards from a different aspect, and that aspect is they, the, the standards are in place in order to try and get the system to achieve a minimum set of performance, uh, performance sort of levels. We have to have the system perform and be able to do A, B, C, and D. In order for that to be done, this is what needs to be done as a minimum. So it comes back to what are the objectives what are we trying to achieve? We're trying to achieve performance, longevity, etc. So that's why the standards are there. 
But if I've come across a way of um, installing a, a, a washer quicker than, or whatever, anything like that that we've mentioned, and it doesn't encroach on the standards, it doesn't take away from them, but it makes it easier, quicker, and safer for me, that's fantastic. That's a, that's a best practice. But we cannot misconstrue, we cannot disregard the standards just because we've been taught something else. We've got to always circle back to the standards. This is, this is my message. You've got to always circle back to the minimum standards. And they are there for a reason. So in as much as you can, must embrace and do your, your own best practices, you've got to circle it back to the standards every single time. Alternatively, put the standards first, work according to the standards and the requirements of the yeah. standards first, and then apply your best practice as long as your best yeah. practice does not compromise the minimum yeah. requirements. Exactly. Um, I'm sure that there's a lot more that can be said about this. And I'm sure that as an auditor in the field, you pick up a lot of things that people might have misinterpreted between best practice and, and uh, minimum requirements. I want to thank you again for having joined me, for sharing this information and, and for giving some clarity on the topic and the subject to um, you know, the, the listeners and the viewers out there. Only a pleasure, Willem. Anytime. Richard and I are going to say goodbye, but to our listeners and our viewers, please do stay tuned because right after this, we're bringing you some industry announcements. They're for you, so have a look at them. Goodbye. The PIRB's National Roadshow was in Toyando on the 3rd of July and in Polokwane on the 4th of July. Thank you to everyone who popped in to interact with our representatives. We would also like to extend a big thank you to Builded and Buco. Our roadshow's next stop is in the Eastern Cape. See you there. Download the app Plumber and stand a chance to win great prizes. You get two opportunities per day to scratch and win. The higher your CPD tier is, the grander the prize you stand a chance to win. Download app Plumber today to get started. Congratulations to our new winner of the PIRB leaderboard, Kyle Governor. After a random draw from the top 10, Kyle Governor was the lucky winner for this cycle. Mr. Governor won himself a Proud Plumber t-shirt. Congratulations, Mr. Proud Plumber. Hi everyone, Bobby here. So the Plumbing Industry Registration Board is passionate about making a difference in South Africa. The annual Champions for Charity White Collar Boxing event takes place on the 5th of August 2023. Champions for Charity intends to be the difference maker and give our communities a punch's chance in bettering themselves. 16 amateur fighters will step into the ring representing their various charitable organizations. And as a citizen of this beautiful country, I implore you to give back in your own little way by donating to the various charities that will be represented on the day. So go and make your donations on www.championsforcharity.coza under the charity and box you feel closest to and help us to make a difference in our communities. So be a part of this movement and become a champion for charity. Hashtag one for all and all for one.